and welcome to Branding Matters, a podcast I created and host to help you create brand equity. My guest today is Lavender Morantz, best-selling author, international TEDx speaker, successful businesswoman, and proud mama to two spirited daughters. During her 20-year career, Lavender has founded multiple startup businesses. She's also a certified nutrition and wellness specialist who educates children and families about the importance of the mind, body, and soul connection. One way she does this is through her latest project, which is a collection of children's books she wrote and illustrated called Conscious Kids. I invited Lavender to be a guest on my show today to talk about what it means to have a lifestyle brand. I wanted to learn how she helps others develop strong brands of their own, and I was curious to hear about her Conscious Kids books and how they're helping to shape the next generation of business leaders. Branding Matters is brought to you by Genumark, one of North America's most trusted merch makers for over 40 years. Did you know branded merch is one of the best ways to create brand awareness? It's true. From promotional products, custom uniforms and clothing, to sports co-branding, web stores and warehousing, Genumark is your number one partner for creating brand awareness. And being ISO certified, you can rest assured ethical sourcing and sustainability are front and center. If you're looking for help with your next project, email brandingmatters at genumark.com. That's brandingmatters at G-E-N-U-M-A-R-K dot com. And now, on with our show. Lavender, welcome to Branding Matters. Thank you. It's so awesome to be here. It's so great to see you. It's been so long. Where are you right now? Yeah, I'm in Toronto. You're in Toronto. Okay. And you're in your home office? Home office. Very cool. Before we get into it, I just want to give the audience a little background between us because we've known each other. I was trying to think about it. I mean, I think we've known each other, I don't know, I want to say almost 20 years. I don't know if that seems about right. It's pretty close. I think when I met you, you were either, no, you weren't married yet. So you were single. I don't even know if I was pregnant. It was like, you know, and then we both went through marriage, kids, divorce, you know, (laughs) and we would, we would, I love the fact that like we met and I, um, from my perspective, anything, anyway, I think we had like a bit of a connection right away. And so when I'd go to Toronto, we'd get together and have our lunches. And it was just like, we would talk about stuff like we were old girlfriends. Is that how yeah. you felt? Or is that just 100%, me? Yeah, 100%. It's mutual. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like a longstanding friendship. I'm so grateful to know you and to be able to watch your career and your parenting journey and all the things. I'm it's just, yeah, it's very cool. Right back at you. This is great. And I think you're going to help a lot of people. So that's ultimately what this is. this podcast is about is to help other people. So I want to start off by talking about something that was pretty major in your life. And when you were 23, you were diagnosed with cancer. So what kind of cancer was it? And then how did that whole experience change your life? <laughs> it's so funny. I was just having this conversation recently. So I had melanoma, skin cancer, kind of came out of left field. I had a mole that kind of looked a little off. And I went to three different dermatologists who all turned me away saying it didn't meet their criteria and it looks normal. And finally, with the Are third serious? one, I was like, dude, remove this. I don't care what it takes, like biopsy this shit. Pardon the French. Am I allowed That's to swear? okay. Yeah, we're adults here. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Um, and he did. And sure enough, it was melanoma. And he passed me on to a plastic surgeon who specialized in melanoma. And she was like, I've got surgery prep for you. Let's go. And so it was like, boom. And I'm so grateful that I followed my intuition 
and my inner knowing there. And now looking back and understanding kind of, kind of my human design and how I operate. And it's like, it's no wonder that that's how it all panned out. And it was just another layer in reinforcing, you know, trusting your gut and advocating for your own health and wellness, because it's your responsibility and nobody else's. Yeah, 100%. Do you mind me asking where it was on your body? Yeah, so I have a really big scar on the inside of my right arm. So it's not even something that gets like a ton of sun exposure. But what I think it was, was a combination of, you know, chemicals and sunscreen, and it was tanning beds. Tanning beds. Shame you know what? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm just as guilty. Honestly, yeah. I used to, I, I mean, I use the term, I was tanorexic back in the day, yeah. right? Back yeah. in, I used to have like the tinfoil things oh my gosh. in the sun. Really? And yeah, I mean, <laughs> we all were back in those days and yeah. baby oil and, yep. you know, all that stuff and tanning yes. beds. I never really did tanning beds, but you know, what's crazy is that, so at my gym, like a gym where you go to work out to be healthy, they have tanning yeah. beds there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if the technology has changed over the years, but the things that we do for aesthetics and vanity and I know it's just wild to me, but it's also a cool position to be in now as a mom to be able to kind of pass on that wisdom so that our kids don't have to hit the same speed bumps, for example, and can learn from our lesson that hopefully go through. Yeah. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Cause you know, yeah, your kids are still young. Wait till they get a little bit older and then it's almost like they go against you, but it's, you're absolutely right. I agree with you. So how did that experience change your life? Yeah, that was a huge, like the catalyst. Like I I wrote an article, I don't know, maybe over a decade ago now that's entitled cancer saved my life because I truly believe that it did. And while I understand that's not the case for everyone who has a diagnosis like that, for me, cancer did save my life. It brought into crystal clear clarity, all the things that I was doing currently that weren't serving me and all the things that I truly, truly desired and the kick in the pants to go and do them and and have the life that, you know, I envisioned for myself. And it was like the great clarifier of like, you know, there was like before cancer and after cancer in my life. So, yeah. you know, choosing in alignment with my values, my deepest desires, my sole purpose, all of those things, you know, it also pushed me to really overhaul my lifestyle and and be more mindful and conscious about what I'm feeding my body and putting on my skin and exposing myself to in terms of chemicals and stuff to an environment and all that stuff. That was really the impetus that set you on the trajectory for the way you are today. And you're, you're very health conscious and mindful of all those things. So that 100%. was really what started it. I want to fast forward a little bit. Thank you for sharing that, first of all, because I never knew that story. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. It makes a lot of sense now based on what you're <laughs> passionate about today, right? Obviously. Yeah, totally. So you're a single mom. You describe it as with two spirited daughters, which I love. <laughs> I love the word spirited. I, I'm going to use that word. You share custody of your older daughter with your ex but you have custody of your younger daughter 100% of the time. Yeah. I mean, literally from birth, you had her 100% of the time. And you and yeah. I talked about this a little bit when we, yeah. I think when I got together in Toronto. You're also a business owner. You're a TEDx speaker. I want to talk more about that. You're a certified nutrition and wellness specialist. And now, best-selling author, add to that list. Yay! <laughs> little clap here. Or what do they do? They do the snap, the young yeah. people today. Okay, so... How the hell do you do it all and do it all so well? I just want to say as well. But. Um, yeah, that's a good question. And I mean, I also feel like there's a difference between perception and reality. Like, you know, people see the highlight reel and it's like a hot freaking mess behind the scenes. Like 
the hot mess is the accurate picture. Like, you know, I just, I'm very big on following what I'm passionate about. I'm very heart led as an entrepreneur. I've had a number of businesses and, you know, uh, I'm just the, the books, for example, have been on my heart for like the better part of a decade. And the pandemic was the real like shove off the cliff to be like, okay, now is the time like watching what's been happening to our children and stuff. So like, when I feel really strongly about something, and I'm, I'm really invested in whatever it is that is, uh, I put everything I have into it. And me too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I think is why yeah. we connect so yeah. well. And yeah, you met B when she was just a little nugget. Like I was like bottle and everything when we were at the restaurant together, right? Yeah. I know. So um, and no reprieve. Like you, yeah, like no. you know, it wasn't like you could hand her off to her dad every other week. No. Like that in itself. But I mean, you know, it's a lot of work, but I'm also I'm grateful for it because she's such a special little person. Mm -hmm. Like I know I say spirited daughters, but they're all the S's. They're sassy, (laughs) spicy, you know, it's it's a lot, but it's also like I feel like it's it's such an important role. And like I feel like they're just a gift in every way. And yes, it's difficult a lot of the time. But that doesn't change the fact that I truly believe that they were here to unlock something in each other. Like those little souls were meant to be part of my life. And I I see that in new ways all the time. But it's a really cool journey as both a a parent, you know, birth and babies and as an entrepreneur birthing ideas and books and whatever else. It's like they go well together. Well, I have no doubt. I mean, you can't, I'm sure you can't imagine your life without them. And, you know, you say about the hot mess, but Lavender, I mean, every time I see you, and again, I agree with you, social media, it's that highlight reel, but <laughs> you know, you, you're a beautiful person, you're smart, you have so much going for you. And I know you have a lot of people who do follow you and admire you. So do you ever fall apart? And do you ever think like you can't go on? Have you ever had those days where you're just like, I can't do this anymore? And oh, yeah. You know, how do you, can you share it? Can you share some of those? Because are you human? (laughs) Yes, I am. Oh my God, I'm so human. Yes. So um, it's interesting because the more I've learned about myself, the more I've learned how to be in a place of inspiration. And then when I'm not, how to take a step back. And, you know, I was just saying to a really good friend of mine this week, like last week felt awful. The energy felt heavy. My body felt heavy. Like my brain wasn't working. I wasn't feeling inspired. And, you know, like I'm, I'm building a course right now and I was responsible to like fill out all of these things for content. And I was like, nope, I'm shutting it down and I'm giving myself a little bit of grace and I'm going to go do something I love because when I'm lit up that's when the inspiration comes. That's when it feels easy. That's when the ideas come. That's when I'm in my best physical, mental, spiritual state. And then I've learned to operate from that place. And if I'm not there, and if I'm meeting resistance to not be hard on myself about it, to give myself the space to take that step back and to have a crap day or to have an integration day, sometimes like the big ideas hit and you're like, Oh, my goodness, I need to do all the things right now with all blah, blah, blah. No, write it down, give yourself a day or two to process and then go do it. But it wasn't always that way. Like I, I operated out of masculine energy a lot of the time, which I think a lot of women entrepreneurs can connect with. It's like the expectation is go and do and be and have all of the time. And it's exhausting. But who puts that? Let me ask you a question. Who do you think puts that expectation? Do you think you put on yourself? I think it's a combo. I think yeah. that it's it's very much driven by society, but it's up to you whether you accept it or not. Because I, you know, I heard you say earlier, you're you're hard on yourself. I'm my worst critic. Yeah. Like I'm I'm the hardest on myself. Yes. You know, yeah. and it's hard. So are you someone who, I mean, do you do everything yourself or do you ask for help? And are you okay with having people help you? Or are you a control freak? 
Because <laughs> I am. Uh, I say yeah. that because like I'm a total control freak and I find it so hard to have get people help me, yeah. but I you need it, right? <laughs> I don't take it personally. I'm a bit of both. I think I've gotten a lot better at asking for help. I think part of that is like, you know, perfection paralysis. Like we expect it done a certain way. And, you know, do we let go of control to let someone else do it in a way that maybe isn't the way we would have done it? Um, I've definitely gotten a lot better at asking for help and also clearing the crap off my plate that isn't my area of genius. Like Mm -hmm. I hired an assistant for the first time in my life and she's literally like the most amazing person. And she made it okay to ask for help and to delegate and to, you know, yeah, I think it's Darren Hardy that says, if you can't delegate, you're like operating from ego because you think you can do it better. Yeah. 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 No, I, you know what? I, I totally agree with you. I mean, Oh, I finally, same thing. I have some people helping me now with this podcast because I do it all, right? I mean, I, like you know, from the editing to the talent, to the producing, yeah. to the everything, <laughs> and it just got too much. And so I was able, because I was sponsored, I'm able to get some help. And I think the key is, is like you said earlier, is finding people that where that's maybe not your expertise, but it's them and then letting them just go like, here, run with it. Right. So would that be some advice that you would give then to some other entrepreneurs listening today? Like know when to. Yeah. Yeah. And also too, it's like, think about the menial crap you're doing that. and, And then think about what you think that your value, your worth is, or like what your hourly rate should be. So like, I don't know, pick a number out of the sky, whatever you think you're worth. Would you pay someone to do something menial that amount of money per hour? Probably not. So take those things that aren't worth your value and have someone come and help you do that. Not to devalue those other roles. It's just like, I think that as entrepreneurs, you have a very um, specific area of genius. And the more you can stay in that area and not get like pulled down by those other things that just keep you busy, the more you're able to serve whoever it is you're serving. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. No, the, I was going to interrupt you, which I have a bad habit of doing because when you said that, did you ever read the book? Um, you can do it all, but not the same damn time by Romy Newstead. Oh, I did not. And I'm also an inherent interrupter. So I feel that very <laughs> deeply. <laughs> I, you know what? Podcasting has helped me so much as far as like keeping my mouth closed and my ears open. But it just, you you know, again, you triggered that. So she wrote this book and it's called You Can Have It All, Just Not at the Same Damn Time. Yeah. And she talked exactly what you just said. It's like, know what your worth is and make sure that if, you know, she talks about things like hiring a cleaning lady, because if you, if you charge, let's say normally, whatever, $200 an hour, and then you're going to spend two hours cleaning your house. Is it really worth $400 mm-hmm. to clean your house? Or would it be better off you spending time making money and hiring someone else to do those exactly. things? Yeah. So she- it's also, it's not just the amount that you would pay yourself. It's, it's what you're not able to do if you're spending your time and energy doing yeah. that too. It's yeah. like, it's that and, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love that. No, that's great advice. <laughs> so I want to go back. So when I mentioned all the things that you do, one of the things was TEDx speaker, which I found really amazing. The number one fear of the average person is public speaking, even above death. Yeah. And so tell me about how you got to become a TEDx speaker. And were you ever scared of public speaking? <laughs> oh, my God, I have such a good story for you. So I took a public speaking course in college. And it that was me. I was like, deathly afraid. I was so nervous. I'm like, I'm going to mess it up. I'm so monotone. Like I'm going to be like, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And so I invited my brother, my younger brother, he's three years younger than me to sit in class with me the day that I had to present 
so that I at least had someone I felt was like on my side and like cheering me on and like, yeah. it just let me relax just enough that I could do it. <laughs> and here we are like decades later. And it's like, it's basically the meat of what I do, which is insane to me, but also really cool. Do you love it? I do. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's, that's where I connect with people truly. And I'm just like, I'm the shout it from the rooftops person when it's like, there's something so important to say. I just, I want to. Yeah. And I'm really grateful that I've had opportunities to get more comfortable with it because I do feel like it's, it's a very powerful way to connect, you know, heart to heart with people. hundred percent. So what inspired you to take that course? How many years ago did you say? <laughs> this was just before my cancer diagnosis, which is hilarious. Like in oh, my wow. early twenties. Yeah. It was just and part so of why the, did you take it? Like what was it? It was just part of the curriculum for I was oh, doing okay. a fashion business course. Um yeah, and it was just it was part of it, I guess, because with um presenting Amazing. and like yeah, I, I ended up going into buying after that. I just feel like in general, as a person, it's it's good to have something like that, especially if it's something you're scared of, especially yeah. to just, you know, feel the fear and do it scared anyway, because there's yeah. so many lessons in life where we've done stuff like that and powerful things and shifts happen. Yeah. I think it's actually a great skill when you're in business and you're doing presentations, whether it's presentation to a boardroom or to a client or whoever, I think that's a really important skill to have is how to be able to get up and command a room and give a presentation, right? So 100%. I think everybody should take a speech course or what, yeah. what was it called? Like, do you remember? Like, I want to say like, speech course, but I don't yeah, know the actual like, term. I think it was just called public speaking. Yeah. I think it's yeah. so great for everybody to do. I totally I agree. Do. So tell me about TEDx because that's impressive. <laughs> How did you become a TEDx speaker? Oh man, that was wild <laughs> and, no, and not the traditional route. So many parts to this story. And okay, so I'm going to start in the middle with like kind of the TED talk coming about. I got asked to do that talk seven days before hitting the stage. That's yeah. not normally what's supposed to happen. Okay. So one of the chapters here in Toronto, a speaker had dropped out and they didn't have time to do the traditional, like normally you apply and they review your material and then you go through a series of like interviews basically. And then you have to like stand on the red dot and practice and you have, your talk has to be between 12 and 18 minutes. And like, there's all these criteria for me. It was not like that. It was just like, here you go. You're going on stage. Like they oh did review God. my material to make sure that it was aligned and I had yeah. to stay on time. But I didn't have any of the practice. I didn't have any of that. And it was just because some another speaker who I literally met the like week before was like, oh, I know somebody who who is perfect for this spot. And I mean, I'm so grateful for that. And what's hilarious is so this was in August of 2018. And in April of 2018, I had gone on a trip by myself after a breakup and had this wild download sitting on the beach where it's like this whole talk came together and I had nowhere to give it, no clue kind of where it came from, but this yeah. whole like shell for this talk came together. And I remember putting it in my notes on my phone and just tucking it away for like a rainy day. Like, I don't even know what it was for. And then when the Ted talk opportunity came around, I was like, yeah, actually I do have a talk for that. And it was just like, bang, 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 seven days later on the stage. Yeah, it was wild. Amazing. And I heard, and I watched it, by the way, on YouTube, and it was excellent. Yeah. Kudos to that. So would you have any advice? I mean, the way it happened to you seemed like it was very serendipitous. If someone wanted to become a TED Talker, what advice would you yeah. give them? So I actually, I get asked that often, most recently, like a week ago. I have calls all the time with people interested in the process and interested in my experience. 
I think getting really clear on your area of expertise or like a specific idea. There's also a really great ebook called Talk Like Ted. And it kind of gives you the framework of the magic formula that works for something like a TED Talk. I think it's just great to read and to get into that stuff anyway. I think getting clear on your area of expertise, watch a bunch of TED Talks. It depends on kind of what your style, what your creative style is though too, right? Because for me, like for example, when I was writing my books, I actually didn't look at any other material because I didn't want it to influence mine. But I mean, it helps with something like a TED Talk where there is a formula to kind of get acquainted with the ones that are the most highly viewed. There's one called Grit that I absolutely love. Highly recommend watching that one. It was like 11 minutes, 12 minutes, I think. And yeah, she was incredible. But yeah, I mean, I think just having like a really unique and connection worthy topic, I think helps too. Yeah. And be yourself. You know, I think the best the best TED Talks that I've seen are when people are really themselves. And I've seen some where you can tell it's it seems like an (laughs) act, right? It's like they're up on stage. And yeah, so yeah. But Everyone I think that's probably taken. You might as well be you, right? Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's probably true, you know, for everything. Just be yourself is the best yeah. advice. So I we talk a lot about or I've talked a lot about badass and you know, I call myself the branding badass. And when I think about badass, because pe- people ask me, like, so w- what's a badass? Why do you consider yourself a badass? To me, when I think of a badass, I always say, you know, it's someone who's come across adversity and who gets knocked down over and over and again over and over again, but always seems to manage to get back up and, and isn't entitled and really is self starter and self made and doesn't rely on anybody except themselves to get what they want out of life, right? If you want something. So you, my darling, are a badass. When I think of a badass, (laughs) knowing what I know, all the things that you've experienced since I've known you, you're so resilient and you always seem to come up better than before. And and I think, you know, you talk about your cancer and then you've had other health scares and, you know, divorce and breakups and things in your life, not to make you cry or anything. (laughs) All the things. I know, but but, I mean, it's made you better, stronger version of yourself, I think, because of that. So I'm curious to know, where do you get your resiliency from? Yeah, well, it's a huge compliment. So thank you. But yeah, it's wild to look back at like the battlefield that came before here. I think I do inherently have a generally positive mindset and outlook on life. And in my heart, I believe that it's supposed to be good. And if it's not good, then you're not kind of there yet. And that's okay. And it's not always going to be good. Like, I I feel like, you know, that was the whole purpose of my TED Talk is that the struggle and the the times when it's not good and not perfect, those are the things that build you. It's not when it's easy, like anybody can do it when it's easy, right? Yeah. But, you know, can you handle that polarity and that duality that life's going to throw at you? Because some of the best times in my life has, have also been some of the most difficult times in my life, yeah, you know, sure. you, it can be and both. Have you always been resilient, like even as a kid? Or was that yeah, something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, so- a, I'm a Leo. So like, I think I came out fighting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you so do you consider yourself an optimist? Definitely. And an opportunist, I think, too, because I feel like opportunity is all of your preparation meeting that perfect timing. So like, I, I think I'm both for sure. Well, there's a famous saying, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I am. Isn't that funny? right? Okay. Yeah. So I, I no, but I, I mean, I absolutely agree with that. I heard somebody interviewed recently, and I can't think of who it was, but she said this quote, which I thought was so interesting. And they asked her about being an optimist. And she said, I choose to be an optimist, because yeah. it just makes life better. 
100%. And I I just thought, yeah, that's totally me too, you know? Absolutely. You are. You totally are. You're just like always like sparkly, shiny, happy. Well, but like you, you know, full disclosure here, I sit with my therapist sometimes and we go through all my stresses and I'm like bawling my eyes out. And she, you know, it's the worst thing someone can say to you is like, wow, how do you do it? And they, you know, they do. And then you're like, and then you start thinking, you start crying. And then, but then I sort of laugh and I'm like, yeah, but I'll say something positive. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? I yeah. got so many good things. And I, yeah. I try to really focus on that. Glennon Doyle said too, we're human. We're meant to do hard things. You were built to do hard things, and yeah. that, you know? Yeah. And also it can be easy too. And I feel like sometimes we make things harder for ourselves. You know, our subconscious crap gets in the way. Our trauma gets in the way. Uh, we've got habits and cycles that don't serve us. And I think part of lightening that load and therapy helps all those things help is to look at the way that we get in our own way and and make it more difficult so that we don't have to continue to do that. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree so much. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about when I invited you to come on, because when I look at everything that you've done and all the different things, I was thinking about lifestyle brands. And so I I looked up in Wikipedia what lifestyle brand means. And and I'm going to, this is a quote, a lifestyle brand is a brand that attempts to embody the values, aspirations, interests, attitudes, or opinions of a group of of a culture for marketing purposes. Lifestyle brands seek to inspire, guide, and motivate people with the goal of making their products contribute to the definition of the consumer's way of life. Would you consider yourself a lifestyle brand? Yes, is the short answer. But I think ultimately, no matter what you're selling, what your business is, what the product or service is, what people are really buying is you. So even from a young age, it's like, you're a kid, you want a bicycle, you have to sell your parents on why you deserve that bicycle. So I feel like everyone is essentially a lifestyle brand, some intentionally, some not. But the people who really truly do it well and embody it do exactly that. They are walking their talk, they are leading with integrity, both to self and outwardly. They are who they say they are. And the things they offer are that too. Right. But I guess a lifestyle brand versus a product brand, whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, when you, because you also sell products, right? So, and I think a lot of lifestyle brands, so when I think of lifestyle brands, I mean, I think of like Jillian Harris or Mm -hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow, right? I mean, they're, and you hear that term a lot these days, like, oh, they have a lifestyle brand and and they do sell products, but everything like, because you have, you know, you have your books and you have your products and you have your coaching and you have your TED Talks and, you know, you have all the things that you do, but it's all under the same umbrella of both together. Right? Yeah, exactly. Under that same theme. So for someone out there who is listening, and they might be struggling trying to create a lifestyle brand or who has a lifestyle brand, but really isn't figuring it out, what advice would you have for them? Yeah, I mean, I think that the two biggest components are, is it aligned with your values? I believe very deeply in the energetics of business. There is a frequency that you and your product and or service is operating at that is going to attract to it someone or something at the same frequency. So if you are not getting the type of client or job or income or whatever, whatever is not aligned, something's blocking you, you're feeling stuck. I would come back to your frequency and your energy and and where are you at? Because we can only attract where we are. So for example, with a lifestyle brand, Maybe some of the things you're offering are because you felt like you needed the money, but it's not truly aligned with who you are and what you believe in. 
or maybe you are scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to convince clients to work with you, but they're not your ideal client. People are going to feel that energy, you know, whether you say it out loud or not. It's like, have you ever posted on social media and you're just in like the shittiest mood on the planet? And you're like, well, I'm going to post because I have to post and I'm just going to get this out here because I said I was going to do it. And I'm going to do it, blah, blah, blah. And you post and it's like crickets. But then there's this time that you post something on social media and it's like you are fired up. You are feeling it. You are like totally in like the best vibe ever. Like I have goosebumps even saying it because I know what it feels like. And then all of a sudden it's like it wasn't even anything special, but it was like everybody's paying attention and liking and commenting and sharing. That is the difference with energy when you're aligned, when you're not aligned. And so the same shit happens in your business. By building connection, you're also building trust. Yeah. And a high integrity person, brand, lifestyle brand will use that in a positive way to help their people, right? Yeah. That's what branding is all about is connection. Mm -hmm. In a nutshell, exactly. that's really what it is. So and what you said earlier about when people, you know, when you share the same values and you make connections, then they're going to want to do business with you. And yeah. not only that, but they're going to be your biggest brand advocates and tell everybody else to do business with you as Which well. Which is the, the best advertising right. ever. Exactly. Client, right? Yeah. Like, no, I love that. Okay, so Let's talk about your best-selling books. First of all, seriously, congratulations. So you talked a little bit about the books have been inside you for so long, but really what, and you said the pandemic was sort of the impetus for you writing them, but yeah. what inspired you to really go in and why three books? Yeah, so the first book is I Am, and it's a collection of affirmations. This was the one that was like on my heart basically since I had Winslow, my oldest daughter, who's almost 12 now. So that one was the real like push to like, get it done. And when I started to see the damage that the pandemic was having on mental health for everyone, but specifically our kids, I was like, okay, no, this is the time for these books. Because if we can help our kids set a really solid foundation for their own mind, body, soul connection, then they are going to have that foundation to fall back on for the rest of their lives. They're going to have a great connection to self. So like consciousness, for example, is your connection to your inner and outer world. And so then the other two books just kind of happened. The second one is Today I Ate the Rainbow, and this is around nutrition. This is like my whole life's work is around, you know, wellness. So just promoting healthy eating and choices for kids. And then the third one is Feel Better, My Love. And this is about big feelings in little bodies. And I started with the first two books and while they were in production, I was like, hang on a second, I have a third one. And so my publisher was just like, we're going to make it a set and it makes sense because it's mind, body, soul. So there was that element that was kind of missing. And again, just like the TED talk, it came to me in just a download and I was like, okay, we're doing it. Just can you tell a little bit about I Am? What's it about? Yeah. So I am is affirmations like I am brave. I am strong. Um, I did. I also did all the illustrations. So there's, really? um, yeah. is there anything you can't do, by the way? <laughs> like, seriously. Oh, man, no, come on. You really did all the illustrations? <laughs> how did, did, how yeah. did you learn how to do that? I've always your spare time. <laughs> and always painted and I took fine art growing up and I just I hadn't been using it and the biggest nudge from inside me I've gotten through like my coaching and my mentors and stuff that the number one thing that kept screaming inside my head was paint with a capital capital exclamation mark bold underlined italics like paints you need to paint and wow. I just I was overthinking it and I couldn't figure out you know, how to do it. Do I rent out a studio and do these big blah, blah, blah. And, and it just actually came together really naturally with the books. They're all watercolor paintings. And so I am as a collection of affirmations with a little 
watercolor feature for each one. And it's, it's really to just instill self-worth in our kids and their value. Like the power of the subconscious mind is huge and repeating something, especially in your own voice is very, very powerful to your internal dialogue. And I don't know if you know this, but between the ages of zero and seven is when our subconscious mind is fully programmed and our kids don't know how to reject something as not true in that time. So they're accepting everything as truth. So if we have the ability... There's still some adults, by the way, that do the same thing now. (laughs) Right? I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. So I just think it's a very... these These books were made to be a very powerful tool in helping to positively program their subconscious mind with healthy beliefs, healthy habits, healthy perception of self, and the ability to talk through big feelings as well. Instead of, you know, they become part of our somatic and psychic body, like literally our physical body, if we aren't able to move them through emotion is literally energy in motion, it's supposed to move through not get stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And so those three things together, I think are a very powerful way to teach our kiddos that. Yeah, absolutely. So the next one is called Today I Ate the Rainbow. Okay. And so tell us a bit about that. Yeah. And it's just a collection of healthy fruits and veggies and just encouraging kids to really pay attention to how they're fueling their body and to purposefully choose like a spectrum of color because there's different benefits to each color in the rainbow when they're consuming stuff. So I I kept it strictly just plants, not because I encourage a plant-based diet, but just because it's stuff that kids would recognize easily. And then, you know, there's prompts like, you know, what did you eat today? That's a part of the rainbow. I love that. No, I I used to say to my kids when they were, I wish we had these books when my kids were little because I used to say to my kids all the time when they were really, really little, and because I'm very much into health as well, right? And I used to say, you know, the more colorful, the more colorful your plate, the better. Now, of course, I'm not talking about Fruit Loops and all those kind of things. (laughs) But just, you know, and I would show them, I'm like, you see that plate? It's all golden. There's no color there. That's because it's fried and it's not healthy. And I would try to educate them. Right. And so void of all nutrients. Yeah. Right. So I, I 100% love that because it's so true. You know, if you see like greens and oranges and yeah. different colors on your plate, chances are it's really healthy. Yeah. And we talk about that stuff a lot in my house. But what I realized, especially with like just some of the stuff I post on Instagram, is that not all households have those conversations. So again, a really easy tool to mm-hmm. start having that conversation it doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And then the third one. Yeah, the third one is called Feel Better, My Love. And it's being able to have conversations about big feelings in little bodies. And, you know, I'm seeing it a lot with my seven-year-old Berkeley where they're processing big stuff and they don't always know how to have the conversation. And sometimes they feel like it's not okay to not be okay. So this book was really to encourage that wherever you are, whether it's good, bad, ugly, or somewhere in between, that it's totally okay to feel that way. And I'm here to support you and um, really just allowing them to sit with their feeling and not try to rush it or push it away and just allow it. Yeah. You know, kids have been so affected by what's been going on. I mean, we all have, but you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, suicide, teen suicide is up on the up. I have friend of I have a friend of mine who is a adolescent pediatrician and she specializes in eating disorders and they've gone through the roof and kids have just, this has affected them in such a negative way if, yeah. as far as emotions go. Do you think with the third book and you talk about the feels and everything, do you think that that's the biggest struggle right now for kids because they don't know how to express like their fears yeah. and everything that's just happened in the last three years? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a very meaningful question because I feel like as adults, even adults have struggled over the last three years with being disconnected, being isolated, being shamed and guilted, being, you know, manipulated and coerced and pushed around, whatever, whatever the case may be. Schools are open, schools are closed, we're wearing masks today, now we're not wearing masks, (sighs) whatever it is. It's just been an absolute gong show, but especially kids. And I love that you honed in on that as a mama, like, obviously, our kids don't have the same processing tools that we do as adults to know what to do with that. Like this is a never before happened life event that's going to obviously go down in history. And yes, people are like, oh, well, kids are resilient and kids are that. But guess what? This is causing lifelong trauma for our children. And so to be able to have those conversations in the home, in a safe space, in a supportive environment where they can actually talk about what that feels like for them, I think is an incredible way to be able to just help them move through process and understand on some level, at least what is going on and what they can do with that for what feels right for them too. Right. And to be able to ask for what they need as well. It gives, it, it just opens that door yeah. to start having that conversation. And I think that's so important for them because, you know, there's environments like school or friend groups where they couldn't have those conversations. And kids don't, you know what, kids don't even know a lot of time. I mean, parents, uh, adults don't even know sometimes what they're feeling, but kids don't know what they're feeling. So they might, you know, they might have this feeling inside and they don't even know how to articulate what it is they're feeling, whether it's fear or anxiousness or anything else. And so I think what you said about, that's why I love that you did these books because it gets the conversation going and it gives them permission and maybe gives the adult, you know, an opportunity to probe a little bit and help them figure out what those emotions are. Exactly. That's exactly what they're meant to do. And like, they're very simple and like cute and pretty, but the idea is it's supposed to be a simple tool Yeah. because why make stuff more difficult than it needs to be? Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, for sure. Absolutely. You know, it's funny when I became a mom, it's hard to believe my son is going to be 19 soon, but back in the day, one of my, yeah, I know it's crazy. (laughs) One of my goals, honestly, was I really wanted to have confident kids because I felt that when a child is confident, they will not give into peer pressure. They will be able to stand up to things that they don't believe in. And it carries through all the way into adulthood, right? So I was like, how do you, how do you foster confidence in children? Right. And that was I was on this sort of mission to figure that out with this book. I mean, I'm curious to know, do you equate conscious kid with being a confident kid? One hundred percent. And I feel like being a conscious kid or a conscious parent, a conscious person, it's really being plugged into your isness. It's what makes you you. It's, you know, your soul in connection to both your inner world and your outer world. And I feel like the more our kids are plugged into who they truly are not who we want them to be, not who society says they should be, who they truly, truly are. And the more they feel supported in that conversation and that knowingness and that relationship, the more confident they will be in their outside world forever and ever and ever. And so that's what I mean when I say giving them that foundation. It's, It's the foundation of being loved, accepted, cherished, and worthy for exactly who you are, regardless of what that means to someone else. Yeah, for sure. And also making the right choices. I say to my kids a lot, and again, I've said this since they were (laughs) toddlers and even today, is that as soon as you leave the door, as soon as you leave the front door, I'm not there right? I have no idea what you're doing. So I can tell you like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And you're going to leave the door and do it. No, but it's true. But I, you you know, if they were here right now, they tell you, but I would say to them, my role as your parent is to educate you, teach you, be there for you. So you make the right choices. 
yeah. right? And it ha- and it's an internal thing. So they can go out into the world and see something that they know isn't right or whatever else of so their friend group. And they know because they're confident in yes. what they believe that they won't fall into that. So it's yeah. making and those they, choices. And they right? have an internal compass to, to do that with the, yeah. themselves. Yeah. And to have the confidence that they're, they're going to be able to handle those situations because we don't have control over whether there's going to be another pandemic or not, or what the world is throwing at us. The point is, do they have a stable foundation of self, of self-integrity and of how to operate in the world around them that they feel comfortable in any situation, ideally? Yeah. And confident in themselves. Exactly. And I mean, you know, there's a difference between boundaries and stifling who your child is meant to be. And I think boundaries are healthy. And, you know, I talked to my seven-year-old, we have a saying in our house that's uh, all emotions are welcome, but all behaviors are not. (laughs) Exactly. So we have to have some boundaries. (laughs) And, um, you know, they also know that, you know, mom's rules or mom's views and boundaries are there to protect them. And then when they're an adult, they'll be able to have and create their own as well, based on their beliefs and what they think is right. But Ideally, we're setting the foundation that they have a confident entryway into those situations. Yeah, for sure. And to go full circle, you mentioned, I think at the beginning when we were talking about lifestyle brand and personal brands, and I talk a lot about personal branding and I have people on here and, you know, we share about personal brands and what it means. And I think I said this to you, I, I think your personal brand starts in childhood, right? And I think it's it's everything that from when you're born, all the things that we just talked about, you're developing your personal brand to mm-hmm. take you forward to when you're an adult and to business and everything else. At the end of the day, these kids are our future leaders. These are our future like CEOs and CMOs and founders and everything else, right? This is the future generation. So that's why I brought you on because it starts at childhood. Yeah. I mean, I would equate their personal brand with whatever their inner truth is and whether they choose to use that for business or, or for branding or not they're going to be very well equipped in the world as a result. So I think sometimes we impose our will on our kids unknowingly <laughs> by wanting, you know, obviously we want the best for them, but I think it it's the more plugged in they are to who they really are and the more encouraged and supported they feel in that space and like really embodying that without fear of being shamed or guilted or course corrected if it's true to them. And like our job is a supporting role, Right then the more plugged in they're going to be to what makes them tick, what value they have in the world, in the workplace, in relationships and connection to others and humanity as a leader. And so leadership starts with us. So the more we are able to connect with who we truly are and to embody that, whether it's in business or leadership is even in the home, you know, where do they learn how to eat and what foods to fuel their body with? It starts at home. All of it starts at home. So yeah, I definitely agree that that includes the potential for a personal brand and for what they choose to do with their magical talents. Out mm. yeah, yeah, I love that. You you said that so eloquently. We all do the best we can. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but there's days where I feel like I'm failing miserably at being a parent. And Absolutely. <laughs> right? And I'm not yeah. doing anything right. And, and when my son, you know, they reach certain ages. And so I think it's also giving yourself grace. And I think as parents, we, we want to do the best that we can. And if we have tools and things like your book to help us, but I also think it's important to like give yourself grace and it's okay oh if gosh, we yeah. fail and we mess up. Sometimes when I was really going through a lot in my life and I was trying to 
juggle everything, I was really on edge. And I felt sometimes I took it out of my kids. And that was really hard. And so I think it's important. You know, this is another lesson. I had to apologize to my kids and say, look, I'm really sorry. You know, I shouldn't have yelled at you like that. That was wrong. Because I want them to be able to own their shit and apologize when they mess up. Because we're, like you said earlier, we're humans and we make mistakes. And that's exactly the point is the point is not perfection. I don't any at any point advocate for perfection at all. Life is messy. People are messy. We mess up. Our kids don't need a perfect parent. They need a real one because it gives them permission to be real too. And I love how you just said, you know, you you messed up and you owned it. I think it's more important for our kids to see us mess up and take responsibility for it and apologize, acknowledge, make it right than to never see us mess up in the first place, because that only teaches them that vicious perfection cycle, which is unrealistic. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Wow. We've covered a lot today. And I feel like we could, it's a, you know, it's a really important conversation because of everything that's happened in the world today. So, you know, even though these are children's books, I think they're, and I'm not surprised that they're Amazon bestsellers because they are really important and probably now more than ever. So before we go, I'm curious, like what's next for Lavender Morantz? <laughs> well, I'm so glad you asked. So uh, I am going to be obviously continuing the journey with Conscious Kids and I will be hosting a series of workshops and courses going forward that can help parents, families, educators, and caregivers support that consciousness journey and helping them better their relationship with their kids in their lives and also help raise conscious kids. I love that. And is it going to be all online? Uh, It will be online. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Lavender, it was so great to see you and talk to you. And Next time I'm in Toronto, I don't know when that's going to be, but we need a catch-up lunch. <laughs> 100%. We right? do a long overdue, my dear. I know. It's, it's so <laughs> awesome seeing you. It's just like when we went for lunch. So right. if people want to learn more about you and about everything that you're doing, what's the best way for them to connect with you? All my social platforms are the same. It's at Lavender Morantz. And then I also have at Lavender Morantz author for the books. Uh, and then my website is ConsciousKids.ca. That's great. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you again. And we will definitely stay in touch, I hope. And good luck with everything. Good luck with your book and with your webinars and all the other business ventures. I can't wait to see what you do next. You're so sweet. It was so fun to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, You're very welcome. All right. We'll chat again soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. And there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and maybe learned a few things to help you with your branding. This show is a work in progress, so please remember to rate and review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like help creating brand awareness for your business, please reach out to me on any of the social platforms under, you guessed it, Branding Badass. I promise you, I reply to all my messages. Branding Matters was produced, edited, and hosted by Jolie Goodson, also me. So thank you again, and until next time, here's to all you badasses out there.